Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. I'm Mark Gelwicks. And welcome to our listeners to this episode of Productivity Cast, where we actually are doing something a little bit different than we normally do. Uh, we have a guest today to talk about a system that I've known actually for quite a bit of time now. And, uh, and, and so what I wanted to do was for all of us to have a conversation around learning about a, a, a system based in Outlook called control your day. And uh, so to do that, we have the progenitor of that system, uh, Jim McCullen. Uh, Jim considers himself a productivity hacker, always looking for ways to reduce the effort it takes to stay organized and get more things done. Jim's an avid GTDer and has built a system called Control Your Day that allows Microsoft Outlook users to apply GTD practices to manage email, task lists, uh, delegated work, all from one virtual search folder in Outlook. So Jim published his book, Control Your Day on Amazon, and it sold copies across the world. And he recently published a course based on that uh, series uh, titled Control Your Day. And so welcome to Productivity Cast, Jim. Hey, Ray, thanks uh, so much for having me today. I, uh, I'm excited and look forward to be able to uh, share some of this information with your audience. Oh, I'm really, really excited to have you here. I think I met Jim at least virtually many, many years ago in a time where I was living on a close Outlook environment. Um, but over the years, I have recommended Jim's book to many people who are on those kind of environments, who can't or can install limited pieces of software and live in Outlook and require really to unleash the power of Outlook. You know, I've been saying for many years, the problem with Outlook is that it's a really, really long rope. And if you don't have a good guide, what happens is you tend to hang yourself with it. And Jim provide one of those good guides. So welcome, Jim. Thanks, Augusta. Um, yeah, let me just give you a little bit of an overview of uh, Control Your Day, how I got started with it. Um, so everything really started from David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. Uh, I was a passionate follower from shortly after it was published. I created all of the manual systems that he originally recommended, the paper-based systems. And then I started looking for um, technology solutions to deploy GTD with. And at that time, there really weren't very many. Um, and so I, I, as I switched and started using Microsoft Outlook, I tried using these other to-do lists and external lists to, to manage my GTD world. And it just wasn't working for me because everything would always come back to Outlook for me. Um, my company is, is heavily focused on email. We're a global organization. We have people working 24-7. Email is just that best channel. And so I needed a way in Outlook to, to apply these GTD practices. And so I started to build out this system, Control Your Day, um, and used it for a number of years uh, before publishing a book or most recently the, the um, training series on it. But um, the concepts that I, I deployed were, were really kind of taking a different approach to Outlook. So most of you, if you use Outlook, you probably have dozens or hundreds of folders that you organize your emails into. In Control Your Day, um, I just use two folders. I have my inbox and my sent items. That's it. Everything else is managed in virtual search folders, which are basically just filters that you save in Outlook. And so um, by 
by using these virtual search folders, I can organize everything from just my inbox and my sent items. The other key thing in Control Your Day is in most Outlook users, you're managing by the received date in your email. So as messages come in that received date, they just keep pushing down other messages and you lose focus on them. What I do as messages come into my Control Your Day system in Outlook, I flag every single message with a due date of today. And then I can create a virtual search folder looking for that due date and organize by that due date. And so that way, as I'm processing my email, if new messages come in and I don't need to deal with them for a couple of weeks, I can just push the due date forward two weeks. Same thing, if I send a message to somebody, I can set a follow-up flag with a due date on it for say two weeks from now, and even put a note in there for what I'm waiting for. And so that, that follow-up flag in Microsoft Outlook allows you to add a note. And so that note allows me to define next actions. So David Allen talks a lot about next actions and contexts. And I'm able to incorporate all of that in with the follow-up flag notes and then create these virtual search folders. And let me just come back for one second to the virtual search folders. So I really just have three. I have my due today. So that's everything in my system that's due today, whether it's in my inbox or my sent items. I have my CYD folder, which is everything that's in my system. So anything that has a due date. And the way I clear that out is if I don't need the message, I just clear out the due date flag. I clear the, mark the messages as completed and it's out of my system. It's out of my folders, but it's still in my inbox and my sent items for reference. So um, the, other item, the other one I have is my um, overdue folder. And so that's anything that I haven't gotten to. And that ties in perfectly with, with David Allen's weekly review. So at the end of the week, I can go back into my system and look at that overdue folder and understand that that's the work that I, I have to catch up on, that I have to clean up. Um, and then from there, I can create as many other virtual search folders as I need. So for example, I can set up folders based on context. So I can go say, hey, let me get all my next actions that have call, at call, at the front of the action. At that point, I can go in and see all my calls that I have to do. So I can create as many virtual search folders as I want. I can set them up, tear them down. Um, but all my messages just exist in these two folders, my inbox and my sent items. And I'm not using any external software, which is critically important today as companies lock down their environments um, and only allow you to use their corporate authorized software. All I'm using is Microsoft Outlook. And so Jim, just so that listeners are aware if they aren't about virtual search folders, how, how does one create, first of all, what is a virtual search folder and how how does one create it not in like the specific version of outlook but kind of how, how does some someone manifest uh, a virtual search folder just down on the left hand side if you scroll down the left of your outlook window you'll see uh, search folders and you can create a new search folder and once you select that you can then go in and select the actual folders you want to look at so for me I always select my inbox and my sent items so that's the two sources for this search. And then it allows you to put in any kind of criteria you want. So for example, in most of them, I'll go in and say, I only want to include messages that have a due date. That means they're somewhere in my system. I need to action them still, right? If they don't have a due date, I've finished it. I don't want to see it. Um, I can also go in and say, look at categories. So for example, if I categorize that message, 
um, for a, a particular trip or customer or something. I can do that. In the follow-up flag, it's actually a text field that you can type information into. So I, that's where I can also set up text-based, uh, not uh, context-based search folders. So I can go in and say, look in my inbox and sent item, look in the follow-up flag for anything that has the at sign and the letters C-A-L-L-L, -L -L, call. So anything that starts with at call, I want to put in a context folder called calls. And now I'll see that anytime I have new calls in there. Does that make sense? When we're looking at Outlook, and Outlook is primarily a desktop-based application, how are you seeing your CYD approach translating to the web versions within Office 365? It's a good question. So the web version um, does have the ability to see the search folders, so you can, um, you can see that part of it. Um, so I can operate on the web the same way. The, the only challenge is with Outlook on the mobile edition, those search folders don't move over there. So on mobile, on my phone, I'm really just looking at new messages, um, my system I'm managing from my laptop in the desktop or web version. Okay, second question for you then. Outlook itself is complicated enough. I mean, I've been working with Microsoft products for Lord knows how long. Is, do you see any challenge or how do you deal with the challenge of not only getting somebody to really grasp how to use Outlook effectively, but then also integrating a lot of GTD style thinking into that? Training is critically important. So like, you know, for example, um, in both the book and the training series that I do, I spent a lot of time first talking about email productivity in general. Um, and, and a lot of those things are concepts from David Allen's book but just general great concepts to follow. Um, I think you, you need to have some understanding and thought into that this is a system and you need to understand email as a whole, how you manage it as opposed to the, the you know, implementation of Microsoft Outlook itself. So I think if you can understand those things like you know, how often you process your email, what you do when you process your email, um, how you define next action so you're not looking at the same message over and over and over again. I think those are a lot of the challenges that people face in Outlook is, you know, like for example, they may just go into Outlook, receive all their mail, they don't have time to look at it, and it just kind of falls into their inbox and they don't process it and it just creates stress and work that they miss and don't get back to. Um, so I think it's critical to you kind of have to think about it from the, the productivity angle first and then the application of the technology second. All right. This is my third question. And then, then I will move on. <laughs> now, this, this is always the fun one. What do you think is the most common mistake people make in trying to put your CYD system into place? trying to live in both worlds for an extended period. So a, a lot of people that I know, um, they'll have you know, hundreds of messages in their inbox. And, you know, and I suggested in the book as well, like you have to kind of almost get to a clean start. So you have to take those hundreds of messages, put them somewhere, you know, you have to deal with them, but start fresh with, with, um, control your day with a, you know, a clean desk. Otherwise you'll just never get caught up. Um, and then the second part is, is basically it's a habit. So you have to continue to do it over and over each day until it becomes second nature. The people that I talk to, that I get feedback to, that have been using it for years and years, they can't live without it, right? But you do have to spend, like anything else, that first 30 to 45 days, you know, just 
working it, working it, working it until it becomes second nature to you. Yeah, I got to say, I, I love the fact that you've got a system that's built around an out-of-the-box implementation. Because honestly, that's a soapbox that I stand on a lot, is that so many systems out there will try to get you to plug something else in, <clears throat> excuse me, add a piece of software, download something from GitHub, who knows. But being able to configure a system using what you have provided, that's a, that's a huge step. So I, I can't encourage people enough to take a look at this. There is a couple of things, you know, that, and I will go in the opposite order that you mentioned them because I think one of them is relevant, you know, and you mentioned the clean slate. It is no different than when the first time you grab that Getting Things Done book, you know, it says, oh, it takes two days to implement this. And, you know, me at least, okay, when I read that, I say two days, it's going to be five minutes to implement this. Let me read this faster. And well, I'm not going to admit how long it took to implement that. <laughs> but but we were, you know, it is important to understand that whatever is on your system, some of those things you are aware, many of them you are not. Your subconscious is, but your conscious is not. You know, I one of the, the things we're looking into all this time is even the people who had had home offices before are discovering that their home offices are not working as effectively as they used to. And part of that is, well, you design the home office to do X, okay? Whatever X means. Hey, it's for me to work over the weekends. It's for me to work, you know, do deep, deep thinking, you know, when I'm coming back from the office to be able to decompress and really thought deeply in the projects of the work or for me to handle my side business. And now what is happening is, okay, I'm living in this place 24-7. And the office was never thought for that. It is, in a way, no different what happened on your Outlook system before you start implementing Control Your Day. is. Outlook, you know, I, I said any email, you know, go and create an email account right now. And before you can click the go to see that inbox, you already have three emails and nobody has received that name. It is no different with Outlook. You get into corporate, you get your, finally, you get your email, you open that thing and there is a bazillion of emails. There is a bazillion of configurations that the companies giving you that is not allowing you to, in many cases, to understand what it is. You know, one of the beautiful things of your system is what you call the catch-up folder uh, that you were describing before, that it happened that you need to have that place where you are going to be able to come and go and focus. So I think it's really important for the listeners to understand any of these things are going to help you to really move at a much better speed also will require that time for you to see the new things. You know, when you read, even if you don't live in, in Outlook, when you read that email management part and understand how to manage email and how you manage email, you know, on that understanding that really well will also help you get a much stronger setup than this. It's really great what you said about the home office setup. And I think about that often that, you know, so many people just have like a mess of stuff 
whether it's in their inbox or, you know, on their desk or wherever they keep their things. And so I find at least I need to have things broken up into kind of work segments, right? So like my desk at home is very organized and it's just my work, right? Um, in my email system, I like to have the same way. So um, I can focus on something at a time. So when I'm processing email, that's what I'm doing, right? I'm looking at my do today folder and I'm processing what's come in today to figure out, you know, apply the four D's to it. Do I do it, delegate it, delete it, or defer it, right? I'm going to go through each one of those messages and apply those four D's. And then I've processed my email and I feel good about myself, right? And I'm done with that process. Now, maybe I want to go make some phone calls. So I'll run over to my calls context search folder and I'll work on that for a while. And then to your point about the catch-up folder, I'm going to block out a certain amount of time at the end of the week to do my weekly review. And that's when I'm going to catch up on those overdue items that I just couldn't get to or missed. So they don't necessarily create stress for me every day. And I'm sure so many people do that where you look at these messages five, six, seven, eight times. You're like, I don't have time to do it. It stresses you out. For me, it doesn't because I've either pushed it off to the future or I know I'm going to come back to it and address it in that weekly review. So I wanted to switch gears just ever so uh, slightly to just how CYD has translated outside of Outlook. And if you've had any experience since we last talked about this, oh, half a decade ago, and <laughs> and you had talked about some of the ways in which you could potentially use this outside of out of the Outlook platform, have you been able to see people extend CYD outside of the Microsoft ecosystem? Unfortunately, Ray, I really still have not. Um, I've tried a couple of times, like in Gmail, for example, uh, and there's just the one limiting factor that, and if anybody has a solution for this, please send me an email um, and it'd be fantastic. But um, I cannot figure out a way out of the box in Gmail to be able to add notes to messages. Like there's plugins for Gmail that do that, but there's not, and again, I, I want to stay away from third-party plugins. Um but there just doesn't seem to be a way to add a note that I can reference. And that's what I use for my next actions and my contexts, which are all critically important to the process. Um, so yeah, that's the part I've struggled with. Um, and, you know, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm an Outlook guy and, you know, I just kind of have stayed in that platform for now. Yeah. So I would look at Google tasks. So now that Gmail has integrated very tightly with Google tasks, you have the interface you have the interface between Gmail and each email message then tagging to a specific uh, note. In essence, the task is just basically a note referencing back to the email message. So maybe that might work okay. for you. That's excellent. And, I'll check it out. Uh, and then look at Google Keep integrations. So Google Keep is a part of Google Drive, but it does have some uh, some integration there that may may work. Not, okay. Not yeah, exactly I'll check those sure, But, you know, it's always worth, worth looking at. I have a question about um, uh, moving from Outlook to Gmail because in the last year I actually made the jump and it was really only because Outlook was was so sluggish on my laptop at the time I was running Windows 7 and it was killing me and I thought, jeez, i got to find something better because it was taking me minutes to open and just do simple things. Anyway, I switched over to Gmail and and now reveling in all of the, the power of of being interconnected on different platforms and plugins. I'm really enjoying Gmail. It's, re it's I'm really exploiting it to its, not its fullest, but I guess better than, more than I could do on Outlook. 
But the question I have is what principles, uh, Jim, translate from CYD into every any other uh, email client use? So what, what are the key principles, the, the top three, four, five, that I need to carry with me as I go into Gmail? In Gmail, so instead of categories, there's labels, right? So you can label your messages to organize them. Um, Gmail does have... Uh, the ability to set up filters to pre-process mail. So I would definitely recommend doing that so that you can organize messages as they're coming in into different contexts or groupings by those labels. Um, so really the idea is anything you can do to reduce the processing time, number one, uh, and number two, so that you, you have your messages that need to be worked in some kind of a grouping that you don't have to just keep rereading the entire message. I think that's the biggest um, uh, benefit is if you don't have to look at that, like when you look at an email message and you think to yourself, I don't have time to do this right now, and you just leave it. And then you come back to it five or six more times and you look at it and you say the same thing to yourself. If you can find some way to label it or organize it so that you can then come back and work it with other similar messages, then I think you can be really productive that way. And you can do that with just about any email system. Uh, that makes me think I need a, a label or a folder in Gmail for, I should say, un, un, unfinished email or something like that. Because there's, I think it would be better than what I'm doing now. Not, well, occasionally, where I'd leave it in the inbox and just begging for trouble because then it, the same phenomenon you mentioned occurs, which gets pushed to the bottom of a list. Exactly. And, you know, G Gmail does that automatically for you with like the social messages and all that. But you can extend that yourself. Like, I'm sure we all get a lot of messages that are reference type messages. So we need them as a possible point of reference, but we don't actually need to read them and do anything with them. So if you can at least move all of that type of mail into a into a folder or label somewhere, then at least they're out of your system and you're just working and looking at the messages that you need to do something with. Hmm. I, I wish it had an automatic, almost as if it forced me to either move it or delete it. I, I don't think it Ray, I'm going to ask Ray because he knows everything about these things. Ray, can, can Gmail do that? Uh, no. So, so there are a couple of things that there there are a couple of things that you can do. Actually, interestingly, there was there used to be something called the Gmail game, and that was created by the folks at Baden uh, who produced the Boomerang. Uh, uh, software and they had this really really cool game called the email game and you literally opened up the interface it opened up your gmail or g suite mail email messages and you could only do one of a few things with it reply forward or delete it and it was and and it kept a little happy face right and so as you answered and dealt with email faster it kept a smiley face as you did it slower it gave you a frowny face and uh and honestly i i used it all the time and it was phenomenal and they've deprecated the software and it's closed down now but the uh the thing that can help you though francis is a couple of things one the gmail interface uses an automated prompting system so that if you don't deal with something that is from an important person they directly messaged you you're in the two or cc line and they've messaged you it will 
um, surface to the top and say, hey, by the way, three days ago, this person emailed you, do you want to reply to them? Uh, so make sure that setting is turned on in your settings. Uh, second is you have the ability to snooze email messages. And a lot of people don't realize you do have this functionality. So if you are in Gmail, if you hover over any line item of any message, you will see a little clock icon. If you hover over that clock icon, you can click the snooze button, and say later today, uh, tomorrow, and you can actually set the time for what later today means. You can set later this week, this weekend, next week, and then you can also pick a specific custom time. And so if you can't deal with an email now, you can punt it into the future and have it come back to your inbox at the date and time you want it to so that you can deal with it then. Uh, so in that sense, you can always really manifest inbox zero if that's a goal of yours because you're able to go ahead and say i don't want to deal with this right now but i don't want to forget it i want it to come back to me at some point in the future so those are the functions you do have uh, to be able to um, you know manage email and not lose sight of something that you might want to in the future that's a great point because that's exactly what i do with the due date flag the due date uh in microsoft outlook is i push things forward so i just don't have to worry about them until I care about it. Same thing. Like if I send an email to someone, um, I'll set every message I send out. If I'm waiting for a response, I'm going to set a follow-up flag or a due date for say two weeks from now. And then that way it comes back and reminds me that I'm waiting for something from that person. So it sounds like you can do exactly the same thing in Gmail, which is great. And I think, again, just to your point, Francis, I think having a label called respond would be useful as well, because then you can label those things as respond, snooze it, and then things that come back are not just coming back to you without context, they're coming back to you with what the action is associated with that particular email, which is, I wanted to respond to this person, I just didn't know, I just didn't want to respond at this moment. Uh, you could have other labels like you know, review and respond, just respond, think about and respond, whatever the various contexts are of the actions you want to take on that email, you can go ahead and, and create labels, you know, label it, snooze it. And then when it comes back to you, now you have context and the appropriate time for you to be able to manage that item. Yeah, I think I'll try, I'll try that, uh, uh, tag, tagging and then labeling. And then I just wish it were automatic being lazy and all. <laughs> Well, you can you can automate the labeling. Uh, you can you can you can certainly do that. You can you 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 can't. Let's see. So you you'd have to use something external like Ift or Zapier to be able to manifest the automated labeling. You can filter and label items as they come in if you know exactly who and what it is that you're looking for. So I would look at filters to see uh, what you can you need to do in order to be able to do that. So I stand corrected, you don't need, uh, sorry, uh, you, you don't need um, if or Zapier to be able to filter and add a label, you can easily do that. So you should be able to do that Gmail inside the box, the the stuff that's more sophisticated in terms of being able to manage uh, movement of things or returning of things at a later time, that's where you may need a little bit more of a sophisticated external tool to integrate with it. But I would start with I would start with looking at filters and labels and the snoozing functionality and the three of those together should be able to manage 85 to 90% of what you're trying to do. Right. But, but to get back to Jim's book a little bit, because this is a, this is a nod in the, the direction of the power of his, his approach, is that he's, he's implemented a number of principles specifically in Outlook, in, in a way that works in Outlook. 
And I think that people, people like me who are using other, other systems or people who want to use a variation of his approach in Outlook but still stick to the same principles. I think the, the, the principles and where he's coming from is what gives the book the real punch. It's the, 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 the thought through ideal and then the question, okay, how do I get to that ideal state? And then Outlook is one way to do it, the way his book describes it. But there's, there's probably others and people who want to use their own variation. And, and the thing they need to do is, to, for what I'm gathering, is to stick to understand his principle at a high enough level that they can say, oh, okay, instead of using this particular flag this way, I'll use it that way just because of blah, 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 blah. And that is one of the one of the interesting things on the book. It is that even when Jim put up framework and obviously some specific examples, the way the book is written and the way the principles are used inside of Outlook allows you to that customization to, to a certain extent or to a, to a really extent, you know, where where you can call things and what, whatever whatever really rock rock your world, but using and being able to move it inside of that. So it's hard to deny how fast things has now evolved in the field of remote work since COVID-19. You know, it's, it seems like the last couple, three, two, three months, you know, since all this has started, really has accelerated things in years instead of months. And especially in an organization, as you were describing, who is 24-7 because of the size, you know, I'm guessing that the impact is even larger. One of the things that people I'm working with and clients are complaining now is that they there was a lot of things on their system that were two-minute things, okay? That is, okay, let me walk to Joe's desk at the end of this hallway and talk to Joe. Or let me, you know, interrupt Joe. That is really what it happened to ask him this question. And now, well, I don't want to send another email because Joe is receiving a bazillion of them. I don't want to, and, and he's ignoring some of them because of the volume, okay, and lack of a better system. So I don't want to make a Zoom because it's just a quick question. I need to know where the talent is. I need to know where a resource is. I don't want to do a formal Zoom for that. So we are recurring to more and more to text, instant messages, Slack, and all this, have you seen that on your system and, and what advice can you give to the people who are into that environment but need to integrate that really into their Outlook world, into the CYD work, so that way you have a one solid system? Yeah, Augusta, it's it's a great point and uh, um, definitely have seen the world change dramatically in the last three to four months. Uh, as I said earlier, I work for a global company, so you know we always dealt with a lot of email. Um, but now I'm seeing it be the primary channel of communication, uh, especially for our teams here uh, in each of the offices that are working remote. Um, and a couple of things for, from that standpoint. One, I, I think you need to recognize that where in the past your persona was defined a lot of times in the office by how you presented yourself, how you communicated well, that doesn't exist right now for a lot of people. And your persona, your what you present is your email. And so if your emails are noisy and not well thought out um, and just, you know, firefight style, managers, peers, other players in the organization are going to start to see that and, and maybe question. 
right? So th this, I think, is a, a great opportunity to use a system like this to, and again, to, to the points earlier, it's less about outlook specifically, but more about the principles and concepts of how you manage your day, how you manage your email. That is extremely visible now. If, if you create a message and you've clearly defined like who you're addressing it to, what you want from that person. So for example, you know, so many times you get an email, nobody's addressed in, in the head of the message, right? So are you addressing it to me? I don't know. There's no specific ask at the top of the message. So I don't really know what you want. Are you just sending it for my information? Do you need a response? Do you need something? So if you can take that time to define, okay, who am I sending it to? What do I want, right? Tell the person what you want at the top of the message. Kind of bullet out what you expect from them or the recap of the message and try to give that person as much information as you can in that email. So often I see an email go back and forth 30 or 40 times with little bits and pieces of information. It's like the two people are sitting at their desk talking to each other. Instead of taking the time and really thinking about what do you want and what does the person on the other side need to be able to help you? If you can think through that, you can create a much better message. And again, you know, with everything being virtual, email is a way that you can show yourself to the organization, show your how professional you are. I love that because I that that is a great way to to put it. And I think it's the first time I hear it in in, in these times how that may bring email back to to a really relevant place when when you look at it from that perspective. I also wanted to note that it's it's probably interesting for our listeners because our listeners are probably the ones who are doing those things that you're talking about, Jim. It's more encouraging the folks around us to make sure that they're actually applying those principles. I find it to be that that's the biggest challenge is that if all of my clients, if all of my colleagues would would do what I'm already doing, trying to make sure everybody's productive, <laughs> we would all be more productive. What 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 is your? I guess you you're actually modeling what I feel like everybody should do, which is you're teaching what you're doing and you're showing people how to do that. As because you're in IT, it's it kind of lends to that. But do you have any advice for folks who might be interested in kind of propagating this email productivity principled? view out there into the world like how do you how do you um how do you persuade others to embrace email productivity one thing that we did uh, in the past with a, a team that was a global team is we actually set up a communications agreement with the team so we were having a lot of struggles getting everybody to be on the same page in email management and so some people might not respond to an email for a week because it wasn't important to them, or someone else might you know, add their boss on copy without really asking the group. And so we defined a list of like 10 things that we agreed to as a team that we were gonna do in email. So one of them might be, I will respond to your message within 48 hours. Another was, I won't push this message up the organization without everyone else on the message is okay to do that, right? I will create a clear action item at the top of the message. And so we put together this list and, and that list allowed us to, to be able to go back to that person and say, hey, you're not following what we agreed to in the communication protocol. So it wasn't chasing them to say, hey, you didn't respond to this email in 48 hours or whatever. It was, hey guys, we agreed to this. And, and, and is there something wrong? Did, 
do you not feel like that's a good thing to agree to? And it really worked and the team got so much tighter. So um, training and things like that are super valuable to help people understand the tools that they have and how to best use them. But you really need to get that social agreement with your team um, first. Otherwise, it just won't work. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So uh, in in the time we have left with you, I wanted to talk a, a little bit about the, is your job to respond to email messages all day or to produce outputs? <laughs> and I, I think that there are many of us over, over time who have experienced that where we spend so much time in our email that we get lost in email and, and start to feel unproductive because of that. And how do you combat that if you are spending as much time in your email triaging, as I like to call it, and is that really the best plan? And how does CYD combat that notion of, of being kind of captured by your email all day? If you look at your most job descriptions, nowhere in the job description does it say email management. And yet we all do email all day long in our jobs. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think, you know, there's some, some key points and it like, Applying that concept of processing your email and then getting away from it and doing work is critical because it's just like, you know, the squirrel, right? Like it's like, oh, I'll hit send and receive and just see what new things came in that are more exciting than the stuff I have to do already. So setting defined times of when you're going to receive email, if you can do that, I think critically important so that you can focus uh, your efforts there. Applying the four Ds. So, you know, really being strong with that. Am I going to delete it, delegate it, do it or defer it just um, keeps you on focus so that you can get it done. And then the other thing is, I find it's super valuable to wait. Some people are so fast to respond to messages. I find if this message went out to a bunch of different people, I don't need to be the first one to respond, you know, unless you're a customer service rep and it's your customer, different story, right? But a lot of cases, I'll wait a little bit and then somebody else will answer the question and that message is done and I didn't have to do anything. Or worst case, you know, you respond to the message quickly, someone else responds with more information that you didn't have. And now your message looks wrong. And now you got to go write another message to clarify your point. So some so processing, defining what you're going to do when you process your email, and waiting, not necessarily being the first one to respond to every message. I think those two things can really help. So you, you made a great point, you know, the time to respond and the time to receive email, you know, one of the one of the challenges, and I advise this to, to my clients, is when you're going to go into that going to respond, turn your Wi-Fi, the connection, the network of your computer off, respond, and then let them all go out. And the reason of that is exactly what you're describing. You have a much lower chance to play or to get into that game of ping pong email. You know, if I I respond and then the guy responds so fast that I'm not even done. You could spend the whole day, right? Just on that one message. <laughs> you know, that was the reason I, I unless I'm traveling on, on travel, I don't look at email on on my phone. And the reason for that was exactly that. And now even that, you know, the iPads has data even less. But the reason was what I discovered was I was not only playing ping pong game, but because the iPhone was receiving email all day, I was spending 
hours doing exactly all the bad things you were saying. I was looking at the same email six times because I look it on the phone and say, oh, yeah, I need something that is not in the phone or that I on purpose don't want to have on the phone. I, I particularly limit what my phone can do on purpose because when I'm going out and I'm not bringing any technology other than the phone, I don't want the phone for me to be that device that can do everything. I actually wanted to do less. Uh, you know, my, I want my smartphone to be a lot dumb. But it is good to to understand that and get that time. Augusta, and your point of closing out, you know, like stopping your internet connection to do your processing is a great idea. Like back in the days when we used to travel, um, you know, I'd do a West Coast trip and I could get my entire do today inbox cleared out because it I was had five, awesome. I had five hours where, you know, I wasn't getting any new emails. And then, you know, I got off the plane. I felt like a thousand bucks. And then of course I got 200 new emails when I got off the plane. But um, yeah, I think it's super valuable to, to close that time out like that. Yeah. That time required the maturity after you finish, you know, mine was LA, Miami. After you get to Miami to actually connect that computer again, let all come in. And out <laughs> yeah, exactly. And was coming. Uh, that requires that maturity, but Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I but I think that's really really important, and it's something that on the instant and ubiquitous connectivity that we live, people have forget that that is a possibility. Disconnect yourself for twenty minutes because the other thing that happened when you do that is if you start monitoring your week and you discover you are spending two or three hours doing email right now. The moment you kill that connection, what you are going to discover is that that time is going to be significantly impacted and you're going to spend less time on the game of email and more time on the really what is your job. You know, I, I, I love that comment you make. Well, no, nowhere on your job description says deal with email. If, you, if I ever read that on a job description, I would run the opposite direction. <laughs> And I'll, I'll point out the fact that there are some people where that that is, if they work in customer service or they're in some kind of highly responsive space, you know, you may have to be in, living in your email and, and we fully understand that. It's for the rest of us who that's not in our job description and it really doesn't make much sense. Um, you know, one, one of the other things that come to mind is that, you know, it's not just about disconnecting from email, but going back to your point, Jim, about having a communications policy, a communications agreement with your team in terms of how you respond. If you are explicit about how you plan to respond to people, how you plan to communicate, listen, guys, email me between, you know, nine and 11, and I'm going to respond to you at one o'clock. If you were, you know, email me between X and Y period of time, I'm going to respond to you at three or four o'clock. If there are these kinds of of rubrics that you can explain to your team, then they have the expectation to get a response and they don't have to worry about getting a response because they know when they're going to and knowing when email is not appropriate. And I think this is so important. So, so many times what would be a, a two minute phone call uh, becomes a 50 email thread. And we need to remember that email can sometimes be a limiting factor in progress if we don't use the right communications platform for that. I, I want to just turn it to turn the floor over to Art for his two tech technical questions, and then um, we're going to um, start the closeout. Yeah, these are just two little ones, but I, I know you mentioned in your book you were talking about using the flagging capability, and I just wanted to be clear that you're using the Outlook 
follow-up flag, correct? That is correct. Okay. Do you use that in, or have you started to see people using that in conjunction in Office 365 with Outlook tasks, specifically because it now starts to roll up through the cloud solutions? They've, they've started to tie all these flags and tasks together. Have you started to use that and have you found any strengths or weaknesses from doing that? I have not yet. Um, I do need to go back and take a look at that now and see if it's better than it was before. Um, in the old world, it all it did was create a task in Outlook, which was then disconnected from the message. So I didn't really see the value of that, but I will take another look and see if uh, if they've improved that at all. Yeah, it's definitely something. If, if you're going to be in a 365 environment, uh, it's worth looking at just specifically because they're forcing you to look at how these things interconnect. Uh, long story short, when you create a follow-up flag in Outlook now, in tasks in 365, there is actually a section in tasks called flagged emails. And you can actually roll it that way. And it even ties back to OneNote. There are ways to do it through all the different platform pieces. So Definitely interesting, but I just wanted to make sure that was the feature you were using instead instead of something else. Yeah, especially since Microsoft is bundling Microsoft To Do, Microsoft Planner, which is now becoming, what is it now becoming? It's becoming, ta is it going to be called Tasks now? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that's what they're going to do, is they're going to change, the, they're going to muddle the branding yet again. Um, <laughs> and I think it's now going to be called Tasks because Planner was causing confusion with Project. And don't even get me started on this whole mess. <laughs> There's so many products so, out there. Right. Yeah. So Stickies, Stickies is going to integrate with OneNote, which is going to, which integrates with Outlook within the, you know, Microsoft tasks environment space and to do is going to be bundled in. So all of these pieces, what I, what I presume Microsoft is trying to do is connecting the, the database to all of these various task management and project management pieces so that they'll be interconnected in some way, shape, or form. And I, I, I look forward to when they, as you said, are stop muddying and muddling the brand. Um, and now we have one co consistent, cohesive space to be able to place things and for them to synchronize across uh, the various uh, ecosystems, you know, across the ecosystem. So it's not so confusing. Yeah, it'll be great to see it unified. The problem is going to be that for the user, at least I think, they're going to wonder what system to do it in then. I mean, if all this information moves back and forth and back and forth, well, where does your primary platform become? Do you live in Outlook? Do you live in OneNote? Do you live in Tasks? Do you live in all three? And do you have members of a team that some are using one tool, some are using the other? It gets, it gets really exceptionally complicated at times because there's so much power and configurability. So you, the business and the productivity thinking really has to come key. And that's the more I think about it, that's one of the reasons why I'm really liking your strategy here, Jim, is because you can adapt it. I mean, similar to the way GTD works and other things work, it's not locked into one specific implementation of one specific platform. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's good to see something that somebody can take a hold of and say, okay, I'm going to tweak this a little bit, or I'm going to hack on it a little bit and make it work for me. So Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on Productivity Cast. How can folks learn about you? And I know that you have a new course that you've recently launched. Can you tell us a little bit about where folks can find that and where they can find you and learn more about Control Your Day? Sure, absolutely. So just go to controlyourday.net. So not .com, I don't own that one, unfortunately, but controlyourday.net. Um, and I've got links there to the book, to the uh, Udemy uh, 
core training course, um, and just other information, uh, about control your day. There's also a chat feature right on the website. So if you have any questions for me, um, you can just hit that and I'll, uh, I'll be happy to respond to you on those. So, uh, yeah, controlyourday.net is the best way to uh, get more information. Fantastic. I will make sure to put a link to those items in the show notes. And that way you all can uh, hop over there to Jim's website and to the Udemy course. Uh, so with that, uh, thank you, Jim, for joining us here on Productivity Cast. Yeah, thank you, everybody. That was Jim McCullen, the originator of Control Your Day, both the book and the course. And so uh, head out there and check out Jim's work. Uh, he's doing some really great stuff with uh, corporate email productivity. While we are at the end of our discussion, the conversation doesn't stop here. If you have a question or a comment about what we discussed here on this cast, please visit our episode page on productivitycast.net. So there on the podcast website at the bottom of the page, uh, there's a comment section. You can leave comments or questions. We're happy to read and respond to your questions there. Uh, by the way, to get any Productivity Cast episode fast, simply add the three-digit episode number to the end of productivitycast.net forward slash, right? So episode one would be productivitycast.net forward slash 001. Episode two would be productivitycast.net forward slash 002, and so on. If you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to discuss on a future cast, please visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact. You can leave a voice recorded message or type us a message and we'll be happy to feature it on a future episode potentially. I want to express my thanks to Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on Productivity Cast each week. You can learn more about them and their work by visiting productivitycast.net as well. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. On behalf of all of us at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life. Take care, everybody. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.